Welcome to The Definitive Rap, where we report the truth about American exceptionalism. We love our flag, we love our country, and we believe in America. The Definitive Rap, where we respect people of faith, the men and women in blue, and our support for Israel. And now your hosts, Bela Sebro. She's the nice one. And Alan Skorsky. Uh, he's not so nice. But together they are the definitive rap. I'm Alan Skorsky with my co-host Bela Seabrow, and welcome to the definitive rap, where we discuss the news items the mainstream media just won't touch. The definitive rap is proud to be the official podcast of vinnews.com. I wanted to open today's show acknowledging that this past Sunday was the 45th anniversary of the historic IDF rescue at Entebbe Airport, where 106 Israelis were held hostage by PLO terror-affiliated organizations. The operation, first titled Operation Thunderbolt, was later renamed Operation Yonatan after its leader, Yoni Netanyahu. Today's guest, former New York Assemblyman Dove Heikend, whom Bela will introduce shortly, is the Operation Thunderbolt in combating anti-Semitism. We are repeatedly being told that Nazism didn't start with the gas chambers, it started with words. Actually, Nazism started with an agenda that later became mainstream, all while Europeans and the West remained silent. Today, we have the Free Palestine Terror Movement, which includes groups like CARE, Students for Justice in Palestine, university faculties, academia, and now the halls of Congress, which seek to dehumanize and delegitimize Israel with the ultimate goal of severing the U.S.-Israel relationship. Like in Nazi Germany, the West is silent. Then they could say, we didn't know. Today, it's anti-Zionism isn't anti-Semitism, or we can't rock the political boat. Or we can't respond harshly to the purveyors of hate if they are female, have a tan complexion, and certainly not if they have Islamic ancestry. Yes, I am talking about Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, and the most poisonous of these snakes, Linda Sarsour. Worse, we are witnessing the utter silence and cowardice of Jewish groups who call themselves leaders, whether it is Jewish groups with multi-million dollar budgets or Jews elected to Congress who either issue timid letters of criticism, or people like Chuck Schumer who claim, I am working behind the scenes. We will work, I'm sorry, we will discuss all these issues today during our interview with Dove Heikend. Bela? Thank you, Alan. With the recent surge in anti-Semitic attacks across the United States and the reaction of the Democratic radical left indicates that they treat anti-Semitism with a double standard compared to other hate crimes. When you have people in our own government contributing and fueling the flames of anti-Semitism, calling Israel an apartheid state, a racist state, it is no surprise that things will go bad. We have in the United States Holocaust survivors, their children, and grandchildren who never thought they would live to see this again. Envision if you are an African-American family and you look out your window and see a cross burning on your lawn. Imagine the trauma that would invoke. Now when shoes are being attacked and shoes are being burned, the shock and pain that brings is tremendous. And that's what the Jewish community is going through now. They are seeing anti-Semitism come back to life. And there are people in the United States Congress who are not helping. In fact, they are hurting the problem. With us today is a man, 
a hero whom I have personally admired since I was a child, and I have attended rallies to hear him speak, and that is Dove Heikind. Dove is an Orthodox Jew, American politician, activist, and radio talk show host. Dove is a former Democratic New York State Assemblyman representing Brooklyn's Assembly District 48, having held this position for 35 years from January 1983 until December 2018. He's the founder of Americans Against Antisemitism. Americans Against Antisemitism is a grassroots coalition that mobilizes supporters to take social action against anti-Semites. Dove, it gives me tremendous honor to welcome you to our show. Well, I am delighted to be with both of you, and both of you have basically presented all the talking points that uh, I communicate uh, on a daily basis with media. You guys are so on target and see it so clearly what is happening in America, what is happening all over the world with regard to anti-Semitism. Uh, uh, you know, in 1944, my mother, you know, this is very personal to me. My mother uh, went to Auschwitz, uh, not willingly, with her mother, members of her family, brothers, sisters, nephew, nieces. And, you know, on cattle cars arrived in Auschwitz. The day they arrived, uh, my grandparents, other members of the family went straight to the gas chambers. That is the reality of anti-Semitism. The only crime they committed, the only crime, six million Jews, two million children, right? The only crime they committed was the fact that they were Jews. That's it. Uh, and... It didn't matter what kind of Jew you were, you know, it absolutely, you know, you, you could have atheist, you could have converted to Catholicism. It didn't matter. You were a Jew. You had Jewish blood. You needed to be removed from this world. Absolutely. And I, 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 w- I could never imagine that right now in 2021, that the number one question people ask me, young families, middle class families, you know, who have homes and, you know, live, live a very decent life in America. But the number one question they ask me, is there a future in America? How much time do you think we have left? I mean, right. just the idea of that question in this great country that we live in, that people are truly concerned. And I have to say, they, they should be. You know, we see things going on that I have never seen before. And we cannot take a chance. We cannot say it can't happen here. Right. By the way, German Jews and French Jews and Jews from other democracies in Europe, you think they imagine that it could happen in their countries? Of course not. Impossible. So we are, you know, living in a very difficult period. Uh, and, And the question of course, is always, what do you do? How do you right. deal with it? So my uh, question, uh, first doing of all, nothing is, not, is surely not an option. Yeah, I'm in absolute awe of what you're doing, and, and I'm not the only one who shares this opinion. I'm so in awe of what you're doing and what you stand for, because you don't just talk the talk, but you walk the walk. So my question to you, my very first question to you is, why are we seeing such an uptick of anti-Semitic attacks here in the United States? Look, uh, you know, anti-Semitism is something that has always been there. I mean, if you study our history, and everyone should, you know, uh, you know, our young people and even our adults, <laughs> you know, it's amazing how ignorant we are about our history, about the facts regarding Israel. 
If you study our history, you know, anti-Semitism on one level or another has always been there. You know, we've had periods, uh, whether it was in Spain and Portugal, other countries of the world where, you know, things were a little better for a while and we celebrated that the golden age of whatever. But at the end of the day, sooner or later, the Jewish people have faced the haters, the Jew haters who, you know, just want to hurt a Jew, want to murder a Jew. I mean, uh, so nothing has really changed. And why this, you know, when I left office about two years ago, I never imagined, I had plans. I never imagined that I would be so involved uh, in in the anti in fighting anti-Semitism, that this was going to be such a problem. We always look during my 36 years in the assembly. I was out there at different times speaking out, doing what needed to be done. You know, the swats, the, the attack upon a Jew. But what happened over the last two years, if we go back two years ago, the attacks upon Jews in the streets of New York, in the tri-state area, Jews being attacked just because they were Jews. That's it. That's which, the only reason. Right. We, we saw video surveillance. We saw, we saw who was doing the attacking. It wasn't the right wing. Right. <laughs> it was the left, actually. Right. So, you know, and, and the question of what do you do? How do you address this? And more recently, you know, uh, and I was actually in Israel. I went to Israel literally as the war broke out. In fact, my, my flight to Israel on a Tuesday, I remember, uh, on Delta at that time, was canceled because the airport was under attack and they all flights to, to the airport were, were closed in Israel and I had to wait till the next day to go. But I was in Israel and saw what was going on. I saw mothers running with their babies to, to shelters because when the siren goes off and those missiles are coming in, there's no guarantee where it's going to hit. Right. And the, every one of those four and a half thousand missiles that were shot at Israel was meant to murder men, women, and children. So we had an outbreak of anti-Semitism all over the world. You know, we all watched it. We saw it. I mean, the hate that we saw on the faces of young Muslims uh, uh, and the attacks upon Jews. And by the way, just let me point this out. You know, a lot of our enemies like to say, oh, it's not about Jews. You know, we like Jews. Some of my best friends are Jews. It's about Zionism and so on. I can tell you that the attacks that took place, the perpetrators did not ask the victims, are you a Zionist? That's right. That's right. That's an amazing point. Absolutely. You have a star David. You wear a yarmulke. You have a beard. That that was the issue. They were looking for Jews, not for Zionists. That's right. Yep. Yep. I want to ask you, and this is such a, a big part for me, um, one of the problems is that we, the Jewish world, don't take these uh, threats very seriously. Condemning anti-Semitism is not political. I'm a fire-breathing Republican, as Bela will attest, but I have no problem saying that Pat Buchanan was an anti-Semite, that former Congressman Ron Paul, anti-Semite, uh, former Senator Chuck Hagel from Nebraska, anti-Semite, Jim Baker, anti-Semites, and yet... The Democrats cannot do the same. When the squad came to Washington in 2018, they were, quote, just four voices. Rashida Tlaib didn't come to Washington and tell her constituents back in Dearborn, let me work behind the scenes. I'm new here. She came right out with, we're going to impeach the mother effer. And yet you got Chuck Schumer, who's been in Washington longer than I've been alive, 
He's working behind the scenes. Now, here's my question. I want your opinion on this. NORPAC is kind of like APAC in their strategy of being bipartisan. And they recently sent out a fundraising letter that they're going to raise money for Chuck Schumer. And they acknowledge that, that there are people who are complaining about Schumer that he's not doing enough. And their defense of him was, listen, he's working behind the scenes. And he was majority leader, so he's blocking Bernie Sanders from introducing anti-Israel legislation. Um, you know what? I've, I've seen this. It's been too long. As far as I'm concerned, I'm willing to roll the dice. Now, I know that after him, if he loses, uh, I think maybe Dick Durbin becomes the next leader of the party. I don't know. But it, in my opinion, I think it's time just to, to cut Chuck Schumer loose. And that's it because he just doesn't have the guts. He had more guts fighting against Brett Kavanaugh than he does fighting against anti-Semitism. And the squad has given him plenty to respond to, and he's done nothing. So in your opinion, after my uh, long rant, do you agree that it's time to cut Chuck Schumer off and that these bipartisan groups have to say, you know what, we need to put our money elsewhere? You know, I think the idea that uh, uh, that Chuck Schumer, you know, Shomer Yisrael, the watcher of the Jewish people, protector of the Jewish people, which is something that he's talked about for 25 years, right. explaining to Jewish audiences what his name meant, Shomer. Uh, you know, with people like him, you know, the idea that he's working behind the scenes, anyone who believes that is a fool, as far as I am concerned. The only thing Schumer cares about these days, and it's not a secret, he wants to make sure that AOC does not run against him. That's all he cares about. And he will sell out his mother. He will sell out each and every one of us because that's what he cares about. And that's what he is worried about. Working behind the scenes, that is a farce. That is that is pathetic. You got to do the right thing. You got to do the right thing. You got to have faith in, in God and you got to do the right thing. And calling out Schumer is something that we all understand. We're in God's name, is he? I mean, he's missing in action, as are many other Jewish members of, of Congress. You know, all my life, politically, I've always said to people, you know, when I, you know, when people in our community are very uh, proud of the fact that we have a quote-unquote Jewish candidate, oh, he's a Jew. I have always said, I'm not interested whether he's a Jew or not, okay? I'm interested in the person's commitment to the things we care about. That person's commitment to the Jewish people, that person's commitment to Israel, the fact that they are a Jew, when are we going to learn that some of our worst enemies are Jews, for God's sake, starting with Bernie Sanders? I mean, I mean, he is the one that legitimizes the squad. He has the one who has created the legitimacy with Linda Sarsour. I mean, how in God's name, uh, you know, for people who are not familiar with Linda Sussur, she's probably the worst hater, uh, you know, around today. I mean, her record, we'd have to spend the entire show just going through her support for terrorism, her embracing terrorists, et cetera, et cetera. And Linda Sussur is embraced by the Democratic Party. It's remarkable. The doubles. This is, by the way, uh, Alan Baylor, this is what scares the daylights out of me. It's not the anti-Semites. Because we know who they are. We know who Omar is and Tlaib and AOC and uh, uh, Presley. Bush. You know, there are so many more, by the way. Yeah. There are so many more. And so many more of them are getting elected on a regular basis. Okay. What worries me are the so-called decent people. 
the good people, the Schumers of the world, the Nathalas of the world, and so many others who don't do the right thing. Nancy Pelosi had a chance back in the beginning with Omar when she spoke about the Benjamins, about due loyalty. That was the opportunity to send a message, whether it's anti-Semitism, racism. If you're a hater, we are going to condemn you specifically. And I remember it was going to happen on a Monday after the Benjamins. And we all know what happened. Right. You know, I wish I wish we had a couple of Jews on our side the way Taleb Omar and that group is so dedicated to their sick philosophy, to their hate. Okay? I wish we had one or two people in the United States Congress who was brave, courageous, not afraid to speak out, Democrat, Republican, it doesn't matter. Hate is hate. Anti-Semitism is anti-Semitism. And the truth is, we don't have that. We don't have that. We just right. don't. So that's, that, that worries me. The decent people who don't do the right thing, that's the beginning of the end when that happens. Right. right. So here's what's curious. Congresswoman uh, Cortez, who was one of the people fueling the flames, uh, in one tweet, uh, she wrote, we will never, ever tolerate anti-Semitism here in New York or anywhere in the world. And, the re- and she also said the recent surge in attacks is horrifying, and we stand with our Jewish communities in condemning this violence. However, later on, she called Israel an apartheid state. So please explain what that's all about. <laughs> Look, uh, if you watch AOC, she is also literally one of the most dangerous people in yeah. town. Our support for BDS. Uh, you know, just a moment on BDS. Uh, boycott, sanction, divest, right? Yeah. Uh, there's only one country in the world that has a BDS movement directed against her. There are, by the way, there are close to 200 nations. You have countries like China that have a million Muslims in concentration camps. And we know what goes on in Russia with Putin. And we know what goes on in other countries of the world. Sure. Tell me, again, one other country where there's a movement. Tell me. Taleb and Omar and, B- and, and AOC and the rest of that group, the, the hypocrisy of that group. Tell me where else they are concerned about the violation of human and civil rights. Tell me one other country where they have a BDS movement. We shouldn't deal with China. We shouldn't deal with China. Can you imagine that happening? I mean, it, it, it is it is mind boggling what it what is going on. Uh, the, you know, again, it, it, I'm not shocked by any of this. You know, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that Israel defending itself, what any country in the world would do against an enemy called Hamas, a terrorist organization recognized by the U.S. and other countries, attacking a neighboring state with missiles. I, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's like a, a bad dream when I was yeah. in Israel watching the media, uh, watching Bernie Sanders and the rest of that sick group attacking Israel. You know why? Only 12 Jews died. Oh, my God. If 100 Jews right. had been murdered by missiles or 200, they, they'd say, OK, you know, blah, blah, blah. They'd, be ha- they'd be satisfied. You know, we get sympathy when Jews die. And you know what? We've had enough of that already. We've paid the price enough in history that we yeah. do not want, you know, like, oh, if 200 Jews would have died as a result of the missiles, Israel would have been more justified. How sick is that? 
Right. How ridiculous would people in Washington or people in Brooklyn on Ocean Parkway or people in on Fifth Avenue in Manhattan or, or Los Angeles or places all over America? If your communities, if missiles were being shot at your communities, missiles that blow up and murder people and destroy homes, if that was happening from a neighbor, what would you want our government to do? What would you demand our government do? Would you tell our government? You know, we want you to protect us, but don't overdo it. Not, yeah. not too much. Not too tough. Right. Right. I mean, it is just sick so- what is going on. But this is the, the reality. And unfortunately, as you pointed out, and I hate to say this, and I hate to talk about the fact that our Jewish organizations, I mean, you know, we have more Jewish organizations than any other group yeah. in, in, in America. Right. I mean, they are all over the place. Yeah. Budgets of tens of millions of dollars. Jewish organizations, hundreds of millions of dollars. I wish someone would stop and take a look at them and see what in God's name are they doing? How are they addressing this? And starting with the Anti-Defamation League that is involved in, you know, their main reason for their existence is defamation against the Jewish people. Right. I know that part of their charter is also other people. But they seem so involved with everyone else in the world. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. And, and for the ADL, most of the time, the, you know, the hate against the Jewish people, you know, they want to blame the right. You know, Trump was the target. He was responsible for everything. In fact, just, just a, what was it, a week ago, the mayor of, uh, 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 of Chicago with all the crime and everything going on, guess who's to blame? Trump. I mean, it's so ridiculous. And by the way, nobody makes a big deal about it. Right. You know, the the media, you know, Fox and the New York Post and people like us, but the media doesn't treat it like, what in God's name did she just say? Right. What? What Trump Trump is not here anymore. He's to blame for the violence that's going on. I mean, the anti-Semitism that's going on in America is out of control. But the violence going on in America, in city after city in America, and by the way, you know what they all have in common? They have Democratic mayors. Right. So, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, So what are the politics really at play here? What's the objective? What's the end game of all this? What are other Jewish members of the Senate and the House doing? What about the Democrats who aren't Jewish? Why aren't they speaking up? Well, look, the Republicans speak speak out and they are again the fact I'm talking is about the democrats have, who are who are yes uh, there's some look there were some democrats after omar did her latest uh, uh stunt i mean which you know everyone in the media cnn and msnbc everyone should have gone crazy they right. didn't quite go crazy when she made the comments about the united states israel uh comparing them to uh, the taliban and to hamas i mean that was that was like it crossed every single line. OK. And what happened? You know, uh, uh, some of the Jewish members of Congress, by the way, some, not even most of them, only some members of the Jewish of the Congress saw that as so egregious that they wrote a letter. OK. And of course, they were attacked by the squad. They were attacked by the other radical members of the Democratic Party. But many of the Jewish members didn't even sign on to the letter. Doesn't that tell you everything that you need to know? So it is about politics. It's about cowardice. Seriously, it, you, yeah. you know, it takes courage to do the right thing sometimes. 
I know that the Democratic Party, you know, the Republicans and Democrats in the House, you know, the numbers are very, very close. So, you know, they don't want to alienate these anti-Semites, okay, these radicals. But wait a second. What happened to doing the right thing? And that is not happening. Clearly, that is not happening. Because, again, as I said before, Nancy Pelosi had a chance a couple of years ago to send a powerful message that if you indulge in anti-Semitism, the kind of anti-Semitism that Omar was participating in, you know, the old thing, as you guys know, you know, the Jews control everything, right? right? You know that, right? That's why we control the media. That's why we're so happy with the New York Times. They're so wonderful. And the Washington Post and all the networks, they're so great, you know, because well, we control them. And by the way, you know, we control the banks. You know, we control everything. You know, we are... 15 million Jews in the entire world. People don't realize. I, I did a survey with uh, randomly in the streets asking people, how many Jews do you think there are in the entire world? Because Jews are always in the newspapers and Israel, you would think God. And people would say to me, 150 million, 200, 200 million Jews. You know, when people find out there are 15 million Jews in the entire world, that includes Israel, America, and every other place. And there's eight, just about 8 billion people. And the world is consumed with the Jewish people, about Jews, Jews and Jews and Jews. And, you know, do we need to apologize because many Jews are successful in what they do? Do we need to say, sorry, oh, too many Jewish lawyers, too many Jewish doctors. Oh, my God. We we got to start telling our children and grandchildren, don't go to medical school. It's not good for the Jewish people. Right. Do we need maybe that's part of the solution? Right. You know, Jews should be carpenters. Jews should be farmers. Maybe the anti-Semites will like us more. So one of the tactical mistakes that we make, and I'd like your opinion on this as well, is that we, we are bringing squirt guns to a gunfight. They are engaging in propaganda, blood libeling Israel, and we're responding with truth. We have groups like Palestinian Media Watch and Memory who put the truth out there, but who cares? You mentioned Linda Sarsour earlier. I don't know if you saw her latest tweet where she refer- about the Israelis, uh, the rescue team in Miami, saying that uh, it's funny. I, I mean, I'm paraphrasing it. Basically, she said that Israel is used to um, bombing buildings with people in it, and here they're coming to uh, rescue people, you know, who are under who are underneath it already. What a blood libel! So we can come on and say the truth, but it doesn't matter, and that's our problem. No one was responding back to her, saying, "You know what? Instead of being consumed with Israel, be more concerned about the children who you're putting suicide belts on." We are not fighting them at the same level. We need to learn. You know what, Donald Trump. You know, punched back very hard. And maybe that's our problem. We think that if we respond to their lies and their blood libeling with, no, we're not guilty of apartheid. Look, we have Arab doctors. You know, when hundreds of years ago, when they accused uh, Jews of using Christian blood for matzahs, we didn't respond with, no, we're not. Look at how we make matzah. And we're not in the same mentality. You don't fight lies and blood libeling with the truth because the truth is not at issue here. Right. Look, uh, uh, you're absolutely correct. And Bela asked me the question before about uh, Israel being compared to an apartheid state. I mean, how can anyone, when you look at uh, the politics in Israel, the elections that just took place, what did we have? Five elections in Israel in a short period of time? That's called democracy. 
you now have a government in the state of Israel made up of uh, political parties from the right to left. They have an Arab party that uh, is connected to the Muslim Brotherhood, for God's sake. And you know what you know what you call that? Democracy. That's democracy. Yeah. I may not like it. You may not like it. But democracy. Apartheid state. Oh, my God. But you know what? You, you know, it's the big lie. You say it again and again, and it becomes reality to a lot of people. Most people don't want to be confused with the facts. Don't confuse me with the facts. I know what the, I know what the truth is. They have no idea what they're talking about, but it, it doesn't really matter. It really doesn't matter. You know, the Israeli military, you know, everybody knows, people know this. The experts know this. You know, what military does what the Israeli military does? When they attacked that building where the Associated Press was located and that the terrorists were using for nefarious purposes, right? Here you have a building. We all saw that building come down. Well, I don't know, eight stories, 10 stories, what did the Israeli military do before they bombed the building? They yeah, went to the freaking landlord and they said, we're going to bomb this building in uh, a half hour. Get everybody out of the building. <laughs> I don't know if the American military did that in Afghanistan and in Iraq and many other places in the world where we were fighting terrorism. We let the landlord know to get everybody out of the building. We warn as we Israel goes after these terrorists. We're not talking about army versus army. We're talking about Hamas that uses its terrorists within the population, the civilian population. So, you know, does Israel get credit for doing this? You know, they send messages to people, you know, get a, get out of that building. Nobody cares. Right. Nobody's interested. But right. Alan, uh, Bela, we need to stop apologizing. There's nothing to apologize for. Right. We need to be strong. We need yes. to be proud. I am. I am. I love America. And I'm a proud Jew. I'm not afraid. And you can't be afraid. People come to Americans Against Anti-Semitism to tell us the things that happened to them. And you know what the next thing they say to me? Please don't use my name. Right. They're afraid. They're right. the victims and they're afraid. That's how it is. Yeah. Okay. And And that is not. Not good, because if if I can't use your name, it never happened. When I, I go to a newspaper, to the New York Post, to tell them of a great story, and they say, okay, can I talk to the victim? Can, no, no, the victim won't talk to you. Then it never happened. It never happened, right. Yeah. You know, so this is a big problem. We need to, when we are afraid, our enemies win. I was out in the streets of New York, uh, I think it was a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. I had just come back from Israel. And we saw this thing uh, on social media, Day of Rage. Usually I see that in, in Israel. Uh, uh, so, I, you know, and, and also on, on the social media post, uh, someone put stay away from there was at the Israeli consulate. OK, I decided I'm getting on the train here in Long Island. I'm going to the Day of Rage because I wanted to see with my own eyes and I wear yarmulke. Right. And I don't take it off for anyone, not because I'm more religious than anyone. I'm not. But I don't remove my yarmulke for anti-Semites. I don't remove my yarmulke because I'm afraid. I just don't do that ever, period. Whether I'm traveling in Europe, if I wear a yarmulke, 
in America, I wear a yarmulke everywhere in the world. So I went to the Day of Rage and I saw with my wife, Shani, and we stood on the corner of 42nd Street and 2nd Avenue at the Israeli consulate. I saw 300 Arabs, Muslims, young people filled with rage and hate. I'm telling you. And these young people go back to their communities and they hate us. So the, the question earlier about what happened now, no, the anti-Semites don't become anti-Semites overnight. The people who beat up on Jews didn't suddenly decide, you know, I've had enough. You know, I've been a, a you know, I have not been an anti-Semite till today. Today, I'm going to be an anti-Semite. That it's there beneath the surface. Right. And it just needs an excuse to come out and for those people to vent and to attack. But the, we're, we're not talking, you know, it's one thing when you see swastikas, when you see uh, hateful graffiti, okay? Hitler didn't finish the job. Uh, you see those swastikas. Right. Or, you, or you see physical damage, uh, uh, windows being broken at synagogues in the Bronx, as happened recently, and so many other things like that. But we have now seen in the past couple of weeks, Jews being assaulted in New York, for God's sake. Yeah. Where are we? Where are our people to stand and not be afraid? Right. right. One last question, because we're running out of time. Do you think that social media contributes to the problem? I have friends who tell me that they get thrown off Facebook for the slightest condemnation against terrorist organizations. Yet when you have anti-Semites posting cartoons and memes of Jews being killed or horrible statements alluding to the destruction of Jews, and it's reported, Facebook often replies that it does not, not go against their standards. To any normal person, it's beyond bizarre that material shared by the political right gets taken down by Facebook and Twitter. How could this even exist? How could this even be that the same standards is not upheld with anti-Semitic comments seen online? In fact, the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, tracked more than 17,000 tweets with phrases and similar phrases, Hitler was right. This is out of control. What can people do about it? Well, first of all, you're abs- there's no question that uh, social media contributes uh, to a lot of the hate. Uh, uh, what exists today did not exist 10 years ago or 20 or 50 years ago. Uh, it's unbelievable what goes on in social media. You know, with social media, you can say what you want to say, the most hateful thing in the world, and you're not facing anybody. You know, uh, people may not say something to my face, but on social media, they can say anything they want. And, you know, they're real. There's a double standard. There's a double standard. Yeah. Well, there's a double standard all over the place. And we have to, you know, we have to deal with that. Figure out how do you deal with that? Uh, It exists in the media. You're talking about social media. How about the media in general and the way they treat Israel, the way the New York Times treats Israel? I mean, the New York Times is the most dangerous newspaper for the welfare of the Jewish people. And what have we done about that? What Jew who cares about Israel still buys the New York Times because, oh, I need the New York Times. I can't live without the New York Times. You know, I'm a businessman. I need the New York Times. What kind of baloney? How does anyone, anyone buy a New York Times? It is the most important newspaper in the entire world. It is a fact. Okay. It is a great newspaper, by the way, but it is the most dangerous newspaper for the Jewish people. And we need to address that. And by the way, Americans against anti-Semitism in the coming weeks 
uh, I'm not going to talk about it now, is going to uh, uh, be involved in a major campaign with hundreds of thousands of dollars directed at the New York Times. Uh, Stay tuned. I don't want to talk about it until we're ready to go public. And I'm talking about spending hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, to do whatever we can to address the New York Times, because the New York Times is not just a newspaper. As they say, it is the newspaper of record. And and it's true, because if the New York Times says it, it's true. Right. Dave, we're out of time. Thank you again for all you are doing and fearlessly calling out and combating anti-Semitism. Thank you to our audience for tuning in and to vinnews.com for our show being their official podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to The Definitive Wrap with your hosts, Bela Sebro and Alan Skorsky. Be sure to tell your family and friends they also can listen to The Definitive Wrap on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, and your favorite streaming service. See you next time on The Definitive Wrap.